Welcome to Craft Advice, a podcast to help investors tackle the more complex area of their personal and business finances. Join Jack and Sean as we discuss everything from investing to retirement and everything in between. And a little white claw. Oh, dude. <laughs> I, I'm kind of glad you're going white claw because in honor of our guest next week, mm-hmm. I grabbed you a Miller Lite. A little Miller Latte. Yeah. Miller Latte. Your uh, Miller Latte. Um, anyways, so again, welcome back, everyone, to Craft Advice. Uh, joking on the Miller Lite, we got Matt Roberts coming next week to give us an update on the real estate market. Interest rates. I just saw Wall Street Journal today, Sean, was saying that the the low era or the era of low mortgage rates is done. They're all over yep. 4% now on the 30 years. Yep. So yep. We'll, we'll get to all things there, but I'm going to start – we get a nice crack for the. Ooh, boy. That was a good one. That was a good oh, one. Yeah. I'm drinking a, I like it. I'm drinking a, a fine Pilsner, a Miller Lite. Fine domestic Pilsner. <laughs> getting on a plane shortly. So it's the only thing I had left in the fridge. So here's Sean. Cheers. And I'm having myself a nice domestic hard seltzer, otherwise known as a white claw. But with the, uh, the, Variety pack got a little strawberry action mm-hmm. in honor of in honor of spring break. Ain't yeah. no laws. You get ain't no laws. You better when you're come on back the from. Claw. You better come back from spring break with a American Eagle <laughs> tattoo somewhere on your body. Somewhere on my body. It's a must. Yeah. All right. What are we All getting right, into today? Getting... All right. I'm going to start with the news from. I think it was Tuesday of this week. Yep. Yep. Or was it yesterday? I don't know. It was yesterday. Um, so big, big news. I'm going to read. This is from the Wall Street Journal. China shares soar after Beijing. Beijing soar, signals support. Alibaba yep. was up 37%. Pinduoduo was up, I believe, 54%. Yeah. So for those that aren't paying attention or asleep at the wheel, the government from china came out and basically said they're going to do they're going to introduce market friendly policies keep the capital markets running smoothly and efficiently they're also going to collaborate more with the us about companies that should be delisted maybe for not providing adequate uh, disclosure to investors i mean if you if you think yeah. so they say so they say but at the end of the day it looks like the government in China is going to take a couple of steps closer to not sandbagging the entire stock market. Now, <laughs> you know, for, for those that read the delisting stuff, this isn't like Alibaba. It's not Tencent. It's not these massive global organizations. It's like these one-off shoots of like Yum China. So it's KFC in China who is not disclosing any of their financials or a biotech company in China that's listed on yep. the U.S. that may or may not report anything. There there are some very sketchy Chinese companies in the U.S. markets, kind of like there are sketchy penny stocks. But anyways, so huge moves yesterday. I think the aver- the index alone, so if, I think it's uh, the symbols KWeb, which is the Chinese internet ETF, mm-hmm. was up somewhere in the neighborhood of 20% on the day. Oh, yeah. No, it was a big day. Big day. Crazy. Yep. Baba, you buying? Baidu, JD, Neo. Neo was up huge. All the all the big uh, Chinese names that were uh, 
that were on fire until what was it January February last year is when they started yeah. was when they came down hard on them right because they were they were there was issues because of the trade wars that were going on prior to that threats of delisting because well, I mean like you said there's a it's a big issue with uh, their disclosure um, they don't disclose their finances properly. The accounting uh, information is generally not audited. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of issues there, um, and rightly yeah. so, right? Those are things that you want trading, you know, on major exchanges. I mean, if it's it's one thing if it's an over the counter, um, but if you don't want them trading on major exchanges if they're going to be kind of playing those kinds of uh, shenanigans. But uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, they were up. They were up massively across the board. I'm, I'm not necessarily a buyer yet. I think it's not a bad idea if one would become a buyer. I just don't trust the Chinese government. Um, I don't. I, I just. I think it's a. It's an area where you can find, you can find upside in other in other places without having to yeah. flip a coin and worry if China's going to get a wild hair up their butt this this quarter this year and decide to uh, put the screws to some. Uh, U.S. listed Chinese firms. That's basically what they were doing, yeah. right? I mean, they were basically like, okay, well, we know these are very big companies in a lot of U.S. portfolios, so we're going to come out with unfriendly uh, policy that's basically going to hurt them and by default hurt you guys. Yep. Yeah, the, so the other thing, and this is just a, a, an industry saying, but you, know, you have fundamental analysis where people look at you know, the balance sheets of a company, the financial statements, how much money they make. There's also technicals where you look at charts. So anyone that's a crypto fiend seems to become a technical analyst overnight. But in technical analysis, there is a saying, the trend is your friend. When there is a downtrend on the stock, the downtrend will continue. That's the concern with the markets as a whole. If the trend of the U.S. stock market is down, it could continue down. Even though you're seeing these huge spikes up, that doesn't mean, okay, now's the time to buy, but that may mean the trend has been changed. So if you start to see the trend getting higher, you don't have to buy the bottom. You can always invest in a different spot. So anyways, so what's going on with the Fed, Sean? So the Fed decided to raise rates quarter point. Um, I'd say the biggest news is that the forward guidance that they were provided. A lot of people had it uh, basically dialed in that they were going to be doing four, or I'm sorry, seven hikes this year. Uh, they came out and essentially committed to six. So, um, I mean, that's better than, you know, because at the end of the day, we need them to raise rates somewhat to try to have some type of dampening effect on the uh, inflation figures here. So it, it seems like the market responded very well because they were assuming a little bit more hawkishness was going to be coming out of the Fed. Um, but it wasn't the case. So, uh, so all in all, good news. Yeah. And so, you know, for those that weren't watching the market yesterday, so we're recording this on Thursday, the 17th, so on the 16th, the market really fell as Jerome Powell was talking. It rebounded very hard into the close. I think the NASDAQ was up about 3%. This is the whole thing with the market. The market moves off of certainty. If it doesn't know what the hell's going on, if it doesn't know what Putin's going to do, you're going to get these, yep. you know, volatile swings. The same thing yep. with interest rates. If we don't know what's going on with some sort of interest rate policy, you're going to see these swings. Now that we see the interest rate policy, we know what it's going to be, the intervals it's going to be. 
Your yep. old pal is not an idiot. He knows what he's doing. He's trying not to shock the markets. So now we know. So now you can take your eyes off of interest rate and Fed meetings. We know what those are going to be and focus yep. on, is it actually impacting inflation? So you may see some changes to that over uh, maybe the next, you know, follow, fast forward three, six months, take a look and see if inflation's going sideways, starting to teeter down. If it keeps rising aggressively every time they get a CPI print, you're probably going to see them make, you know, some sort of 50 point move instead of 25. And if that happens, the market will probably get some sort of shock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I think that's a great point. It's all about expectations and uh, certainty versus uncertainty, right? If the market expects one thing and the numbers come in and another thing, then right, if the market was expecting, <clears throat> or at least it was pricing in uh, a more aggressive move from the Fed. And when that wasn't the case, right, came up, confirmed 25 basis point or a quarter percent increase. And this is the interval that we're going to proceed with. This is what you can expect from us. That gave a fair amount of certainty to the market, and they can take that and basically, uh, you know, they can factor those numbers into their models, and that allows everybody to price assets accordingly. But yeah, it was a wild day. I mean, the market was up well over five. I mean, the Dow. Let's just use the Dow. The Dow was at well over five hundred points, and then it was down at one point intraday while he was talking, negative uh, roughly two hundred, a little over two hundred points, and then swung back the other way to finish about five, just under 520 points in the positive. So, I mean, a massive, massive swings during the day. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, this is going to impact a, just, we've talked about it for, uh, for months now on the podcast, but, uh, remember when, when they increase short-term rates, uh, you know, that's going to increase cash savings, CDs, right? Those types of things. But at the same time, you're going to see market rates also go up as a function of this and what you're going to see is higher auto loans, higher mortgage rates. So if you have any kind of debt out there that has not been refinanced, these might not be the, the lowest of the low, right? They're not the ba bottom basement interest rates. Maybe you could have gotten something slightly better. Uh, but the days of the sub three mortgage rates are very likely over. And uh, it's something that if you have anything that you have refinanced, uh, in some time, you want to go out there and do that. It's a crafty, yeah, uh, crafty, crafty uh, financial move. Yeah, crafty, crafty advice outside crafty of just advice. the financial move. But exactly. with that, I want to get to Warren Buffett. So Ooh. this is hilarious. Oh. This is this is the guy that since 2018 they've been saying he's you know he's lost his touch and he's losing it. Meanwhile, the big news today, Berkshire's A shares crossed the $500,000 mark for the first time. So for those that don't know, to buy it, one share of Berkshire Hathaway, the A class shares, the print I'm seeing right now, it's somewhere in the ballpark of $507,000. Yeah. <laughs> 509000 It's up to yeah, $5,000. I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at 509 dollars is the last tick I got. Yeah. I mean, that's it's, just absurd. <laughs> well, and he's oh. doing what, you know, if you think about Buffett's portfolio, he's always focused. He's not buying these these companies like Rivian that, uh, you know, full disclosure, Sean, yep. and I told you don't touch those. If you yep. touch them, that's your fault. But yep. at the end of the day, Berkshire has been buying shares of Coca-Cola, shares of American Express, 
He bought a massive share in Occidental Petroleum, which Oxy. is a big oil company seeing a boom right now. So Buffett yeah. has always been, he's like a mutual fund for the U.S. He's always yeah. emphasized invest in America. It's the best country for shareholder friendliness, for transparency into the business. And even though that gets put to the side when you have a 2020 year where, you know, something like Coinbase or some of these companies like Zoom go flying to the moon, his consistent process is just starting to outpace it. So I believe you had some stats, Sean, on him versus Kathy Wood. Oh, yeah. No, it was uh, it was pretty funny to, you know, it's kind of the, the tortoise and the hare story, right? I mean, she was the darling of, uh, of 2020 and part of 2021. But then towards the end of the year, right, obviously when tech started selling off hard, uh, I mean, her ARK Innovation Fund tanked like let me see, here. Let me let me get it pulled back up and see what. So ARKK is their uh, is their primary innovation fund, and that thing topped out at around 156. It's now trading at 61 dollars a share, so down over 50 percent from their highs, uh, which the high was in February 2021. Now over that time, again, she was up again because during 2020. She was up something in the range of, you know, just looking at the annual print, right? So from the beginning of December or beginning of 2020 to the end of 2020, she was up something in the realm of 150%. But has since given most of that up. So if you go back and look at from 20, the beginning of 2020 to now, she's up about 20%, right? So massive swing up, massive drawdown. Um, It looks like, we may have jumped the shark a little bit with some of these company valuations. Um, obviously, long term, I think it's still a very viable investment option. She's got a great research team. Um, you know, I, I still like a lot of what she does, but at the end of the day, um, the tortoise seems to have won so far. Uh, because yeah. if you go back and look at from the beginning of 2020, what he's uh, Berkshire is looking at to today, he's up. A little over 50 percent which again similar scenario big drawdown during covid slow march up um but this just this year alone he's up over 100 percent i'm sorry 2021 to now his one year figure is up over 100 percent yeah i mean it's it's pretty impressive he is the perfect example of stick to a process for i mean at this point it was 100 years it seems like so he's doing the right things um from Buffett, I want to go to the rest of the S&P 500 that decided to yeah. leave Russia. <laughs> this is kind of wild. So I got a text today, and someone listening will know who it is, and asked if I was buying the Russian ruble for the fact that they may may have a bankruptcy on the country. And I said, well, that's a great way to lose your money or maybe get yeah. dra- drafted into Putin's death squad. But this is... This is wild, and I think this is going to be interesting to see. Like, we may have completely destroyed the Russian economy, like as we know it. I don't, unless China and some other countries, you know, the Middle East can help with this. So, this is from Yale School of Management. Over 400 companies have withdrawn from Russia, still, some remain. Um, A lot are doing suspensions, so they're not completely leaving the country. They're just halting operations in the country. But just to name a few, Airbnb is suspending bookings in Russia. Alaskan Airlines, which used to fly from Russia to Alaska, 
has halted operations. BlackRock has basically paused any Russian access to the capital markets through their platform. Crocs is not selling Crocs to Russian uh, (laughs) Russian people. Yep. Delta is not doing flights. eBay stopped all. Oh, I'm only at E right now. I haven't even got to. It's insane. The amount like McDonald's, Apple, Nike, Victoria's Secret, Netflix. Stanley Black and Decker. You can't even get a hammer in Russia. You can't even get a fucking hammer. You got, you got, (laughs) I mean, I I will say it's, it is wild. The amount of like, it's a, it feels like it's a, a cancel culture. Right. I mean, it's a little bit of like, it became popular to hate the Russians again. And all these companies are like, screw this, man. We're going to get some brownie points. We're shutting off the, the spigot. It went from being like normal capitalist type motivations to if we don't stop doing business it could backfire on us you know it's a major one I, 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 this list is hilarious world huge. world wrestling entertainment halted all all wrestling shows across russia that were scheduled they're they're backing out mm, i didn't realize russia a, was such a huge world wrestling entertainment fan they love but the even russia like man over there look, i mean look at this mccormick who basically, so anyone that doesn't know McCormick, the company, the spice aisle, they literally are like the largest provider of spice almost anywhere, grocery store, restaurants, they do it all. They're out. Microsoft is out. Mazda, not sending any more cards. Visa and MasterCard. Salesforce stopped all operations. I mean, I don't know how the back end of this looks because, you know, just think about today. Every, even, even phones, like there are certain phones that no longer operate in the in the Russian uh, Federation. borders. If you yeah, Federation, sorry, there you go. But I I think this is an area where there's a there's a great book called Triumph of the Optimist, which is kind of uh, I think a professor at at uh, Credit Suisse that was talking about or Credit Suisse hired him. And it's basically a hundred years of stock market data. And every 30 to 50 years, a country just gets completely wiped out. So in China, when the Communist Party took over, they basically just wiped the wealth of everyone out. They're restarting fresh. This has happened in some countries in Europe. It hasn't happened in the States before. But this may be one of those washout moments where kind of at the start of this, at the end of the Soviet Union, there was a washout. By, or Putin may have literally just wiped the entire economy out completely because I don't know how you just pause all of this. We did it in COVID for a period of time, but companies were still doing direct to consumer shipments. I don't know what's going to happen here, but I think that economy is is destroyed. It's done. I mean, how how do you come back from this? There's no way that businesses are going to be like, all right, well, you know, Putin pulled his tanks back. He said he was sorry. All right, boys, let's jump back in. I just don't see a scenario where these companies with the type of almost activism that, that consumers are now with social media and the, you know, consumer activism, investor activism, it doesn't seem like there's a, a realistic scenario where these companies re-enter that market while he is still in power. Now, if he leaves, right, if he leaves either willingly or unwillingly, doesn't matter, right? But if, if it's, you know, quote unquote, a new Russia with a different regime in, then, you know, that's a different story. But as long as he remains in power, it seems as if, they basically just 
flipped the switch and now they're back in 1994 post-Soviet Union, you know, eating, <laughs> you know, driving clown cars and, uh, and eating just goulash. I don't know. Garbage. Goulash, I'm in, they're in trouble. Oh uh, yeah. It, I am, I am thoroughly think about worried the about financial. It. Think about the financial firms that are gone, right? So JP Morgan Chase, one of the world's largest banks is gone. The, the largest bank in the, in the US and one of the world's largest banks is gone. Uh, <clears throat> who was it? Um, Deutsche Bank, the largest bank in Germany, gone, right? Their biggest European trading partner has pulled out basically all of their financial you know, presence there. It's gone. You've got, um, I mean, just every, every major investment bank that you can imagine has pulled out operations. Like you said, BlackRock's gone. I mean, it's, it's gone. It's not, it's an uninvestable, um, it's an uninvestable market. You can't yeah. touch it. Yeah. You buy, you I, buy rubles, you buy, you buy rubles. You'll be telling people stories just like how, uh, what was it? The, uh, Iraqi dinar. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that said, the last point I'll bring on this topic, and then we can go to your crypto story was when the Soviet union fell, the whole, the whole way the oligarchs basically got to this billionaire status is it was kind of like a every man for themselves, you know, whoever gets, you know, whatever property is available got that. So there was a huge shift at the end of the Soviet era that individuals went in and kind of just took over an industry. Maybe it was a wheat plant. Maybe yeah. it was some sort of oil rig. I'm gonna so a lot of, yeah, a lot of people came to power through almost... I guess you could say like mafia or mob like yeah they just took it they literally <laughs> they just, it was a free-for-all the, yeah. the 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 government was like okay they're no longer in charge but you had these lower level military guys that still had the loyalty of basically soldiers Couple tanks yeah they're like we got guns we got soldiers i'm gonna go take that wheat field that land is now mine now i'm the biggest wheat farmer in russia i'm gonna go take this oil you know it was a free-for-all everybody took what they wanted and uh and, and, and that's where you get these guys who are just cruising around with $150 million yachts yep. that are now uh, getting confiscated left and right. There you go. Germany's taking them back. So to protect yourself, that's where Sean's going to always go back to crypto. He's, you know, if you cut crypto, into his skin, baby. Bitcoin, a USB drive will probably fall out or a thumb drive full of. You can't stop this momentum, Jack. This is a, this is a, uh, this is the Borg. Bitcoin is the Borg. I need you right. to stop using fiat entirely so you can really commit to this idea. You know, every time you pull out your credit card and go to Southern Swells, you know, they're just, you're just blowing smoke up your own ass. You got to go in there and be like, <laughs> see if, see, see if they accept, uh, they might, they might be on the, uh, the lightning network. Yeah. Reach out to Jay. Tell him what's up. That's it. All right. What's well, your crypto story? Yeah. Wrap no, I mean, I just think, I just think the big thing here is that obviously this, Everybody was terrified that uh, Bitcoin was going to be an escape route for the Russians. Uh, turns out that that was not the case. And obviously, when everybody's watching it, you can still see where the Bitcoin's going. And the centralized exchanges have, unfortunately, uh, acquiesced to the government's request to uh, monitor and halt large Bitcoin transactions. So uh, the Russian people have been frozen out from a lot of those centralized exchanges. Um, but at the same time, you do have access to decentralized exchanges where nobody can stop you. Uh, again, they, they don't have the ability to stop you. They don't even know who you are. There's called uh, non-KYC or know your customer uh, exchanges where they have no clue who you are. 
and there's nothing they can do about it. They don't know you're in Russia. They don't know you're in America. They don't know anything. Uh, but again, the point is, is that Bitcoin is going to continue to be a growing, uh, especially with inflation where it is. BitMEX. So BitMEX is one of the largest derivatives exchanges. Just to change it up really quick, uh, came out with a very bold. One of the former CEOs, uh, Arthur Hayes, came out with a very bold prediction that basically inflation is going to be unstoppable. And we're just getting into the beginning of not the complete crumbling, but a, sh a shift in the global financial system. And I mean, I would even point to uh, the four, uh, you know, the Fed chair's comments from the last time he was on the, uh, the congressional stand. He said that, and you know, these are his own words, that there can be more than one uh, global reserve currency. Yep. So it almost feels as if the, uh, the U.S. government is starting to embrace this, accept it, and figure out how they can uh, use it to their advantage. Well, do you see what Saudi Arabia's doing? They don't want to price oil in dollars, so they're trying yep. to go a different direction with this. They, yep. they don't want to have the dollar as the U.S. reserve. So I, I think you're going to see that. I mean, this is China is an interesting, interesting place right now where they don't want the U.S. to be the primary superpower. So they're trying to mm -hmm. go buddy-buddy with the rest of Asia as yep. well as Russia. So they're dancing a fine line. But any of these moves in the crypto space is it weakens the U.S. dollar. It, it, if anything, even if crypto doesn't overtake it, it just brings the rest of the world into play with what is going to be that next reserve currency. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and the Fed came out, or I'm sorry, not the Fed, but the uh, the administration, the Biden administration came out with a, an executive order that basically everybody was terrified that he, especially with everything going on with Russia, that he was going to come out and say, you know, hey, we got to ban this. We got to outlaw it. We can't let them utilize this. Uh, but it was a it was actually a fairly um, welcoming executive order, very soft in the language, very general in nature, like, hey, we basically need to learn more research this, see what are what are the pros, what are the cons, how can it help the economy, how can it help the global financial system, and how can it hurt it, right? What, what are the potential um, landmines that could exist or could present themselves, and how can we protect ourselves from that? So all in all, very good news coming out of the uh, administration on that front. Uh, not often that you hear that, <laughs> but yeah. um, some good information there, and uh, I think that's going to give more certainty to the uh, to the space, right? More legitimacy, more certainty, especially if you get a uniform, you know, uh, a uniform approach to how we're going to treat it, how we're going to tax it, how we're going to regulate it, how we're going to monitor it. And if we can get some uniformity there, that's when you're really going to see it explode. And that's part of um, that's one of the things that uh, BitMEX is, again, CEO was saying it's not just the inflation. It's the fact that this is now becoming adopted, it's becoming legitimized by the government, uh, the U.S. government. And it's going to allow for a pretty explosive growth trajectory. He's calling for over a million dollars a coin. Yeah. I'm not as, I'm not as uh, optimistic, at least not in the, uh, the next three to five years, but we'll see. Well, we all know it's actually going to be 25 million because it just inf it appreciates infinitely. It'll take over everything. No one will own exactly. any investments. Real estate, it's just all on the blockchain. You just own coins. So. That's it. It's there we go. Word, baby. We'll Assimilate or die. Assimilate or die, Jack. Assimilate or die. I can't wait till the Terminator comes back. It just kills us all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's coming. He's coming. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining.
Um, you know, obviously, like, subscribe. Uh, Apple. Dash. Advice.com. Facebook. Get us up. Spotify. Everything. Hit us up. Instagram. Facebook. Everybody. Thanks again. Nice little market update. Cheers. Enjoy the weekend. Adios, everybody. Jack and Sean work for Senge Advisory Group, a registered investment advisory firm. All discussions between Jack and Sean or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Senge Advisory Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Senge Advisory Group may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.